0: I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, an artist and psychoanalyst based in Sweden who works with people internationally. And this is episode 246 of Rendering Unconscious podcast. My guest today is Paul B. Hampshire, a multimedia artist, writer, musician, and all around magical person who splits his time between Thailand and the UK. His musical groups have included The Dance Society, Getting the Fear, Into a Circle, and Futon. His current work is focused on his projects, The Tie Capsule, and High on Platforms. You can visit his website, theBNow.com for links to everything and more information. That's thebeeno dot com. You can also follow him on social media at Instagram at paulb23. that's p a u l b e e two three and ty dot capsule at Instagram. You can also find him on Facebook at Paul B Hampshire. Links to everything are included on Rendering Unconscious main website, renderingunconscious.org. As with most episodes of Rendering Unconscious podcast, there is a video of this discussion at YouTube. Visit Trapar Films YouTube channel. That's T R A P A R T Film at YouTube. B contributed a piece to the new expanded edition of the book Brian Geison. His name was Master by Genesis Peoridge with Peter Christofferson, Kathleen Gray, Carl Abrahamson, and John Savage. Available wherever books are sold online, you can also visit the publisher's website, trapar.net. You can support Rendering Unconscious podcast and all of my other creative endeavors by visiting our Patreon patreon.com forward slash Vanessa two three carl that's v-a-n-e-s-s-a two three c-a-r-l we do post exclusive content every week mostly focused on our magical and creative practices every monday is magic monday where we write about these practices and share them with others we also post photos upcoming music works in progress, writing, and all of our patrons are always the first to know about any events coming up. On Sunday, June 4th, Carl and I will be having a Zoom meeting with our Patreon community, so sign up now to come into that meeting. That'll be June 4th at 10 a.m. LA time, 1 p.m. in New York, which is 6 p.m. in the UK and 7 p.m. here in Sweden. See you there. I love how you normally
1: started with that line of, uh, What are you doing right now? (laughs) (laughs)
0: What are you doing right now? Yeah. Well,
1: aside from speaking to the lovely Vanessa Sinclair, which is truly, truly a magic moment, too, what am I doing right now? Okay. So I've got a couple of things that are just out now. Um, that I'm very excited about. Uh, firstly is the jewellery from the Thai capsule project. I spent the last year going around spirit markets in, in Thailand and putting together um, charms and jewellery. And um, I'm very excited about that. It's just come into fruition. And also I've been working with Thai Brasssmiths as well to produce um some of the jewelry if I couldn't get what I wanted in the markets I had it made by a Thai wow. brass which is great like this this ring for example
0: amazing you had
1: those uh made and and they're they're coming through next week which will be amazing uh so yeah the the jewelry is is really uh the, the latest thing that's happening with the Thai capsule there's ongoing things as well, where I'm speaking with Thai artists um, for illustrators, musicians, painters, uh, who will be interpreting uh, the stories from the Thai capsule as well. And my my wish, my dream one day is to put that into an exhibition where we could feature their art as well. So we put the Thai artists on the platform as well. Um, So that and... I'm also looking at doing some live readings of, of the stories uh, from the Thai capsule and the world around the Thai capsule as well.
0: Oh, wonderful. Maybe yeah. that's something we can do for Morbid Anatomy. I told you I want to have you at Morbid Anatomy. Maybe we could have you come oh, and like do some sort of readings.
1: I'd love that. I'd love that. Yes. I'm, that, that's one of the things that I'm kind of kicking off at the moment. So that would be great. That'd Excellent. Be
0: really Maybe we should go back in time a little and, like, let people know how did you end up in Thailand in the first place or how did the Thai capsule come about?
1: OK, well, um, so how did I end up in Thailand? Um, well, I actually moved to New York <laughs> and I, before I moved to New York, I went for a, a vacation to, to Thailand and I was there for traveling around for quite a few months. And the plan was I would do that, get some sunshine, and then go to New York. So I did that, uh, and then while in New York, I, this was um, it was eighty nine, perhaps, maybe ninety. Um, it was great in New York. I, you know, I ended up working doing uh, working at the limelight just as Disco Two Thousand was kicking off with Michael and Alec and all that lot. So as a little club kid, it was great doing that. And I got to do some amazing things there, like uh, Felicity Mason had asked me if I could go to the bunker to pick up some Brian Geison paintings from John Jarno, and then take them back to England when I went back. Um, So I I did and I spent an amazing day with John Jarno in in the bunker and he was showing me everything. So things like that were happening, but I I wasn't happy in, in my core. There was something not right, and I knew that I just had this calling to go back to Thailand. Um, In hindsight, after living there for 30 years, it kind of dawned on me that a lot of the the people that became my kind of appointed mentors, like like Brian Geis and William Burroughs and Nico, all spent a good portion of their life living outside the countries that they were born um in and and that really added to their development as well and so maybe that was part of it and my subconscious um was triggering that i don't know but anyway so i thought okay even though uh new york's great i'll go back to thailand get it out of my system and then i'll continue with going back on the new york journey so i did that um, went back over there and and just 30 years later I'm still whenever I'm not there like now I'm I'm in London it's still pulling me back there's something always pulling me back there um another thing about the being in Thailand I realized that so many of my personality traits and the core characteristics uh, that I have um my behavioural tendencies are similar to Thai things in Thailand. And really from the fact that when I went there, I still wasn't shaving my face, I was plucking it. And then, then I noticed that a lot of the Thai men also would pluck their face rather than shave it. When I was a little kid, I was constantly told off because I had my finger up my nose, picking my nose, constantly. In Thailand, it's acceptable behaviour. You know, you can, you can just sit on the bus picking on It's fine. <laughs> Sorry for grossing your Everybody listeners. does it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, you're not allowed to put your fingers in your mouth. That is disgusting to, mm. to the people. I'm okay with that. Um, so there were all a lot of, even my name. So it, this, this is kind of f- quite fascinating when I discovered this just like five years ago. So my name B, I, I got the name B. In about 1981, I, no, 82, I was doing, um, I'd, I'd launched a, a solo uh, career just as as a singer B. I Before that, I'd been doing stuff in Japan with boy bands playing keyboards and things, but I wanted to do my own thing. So, and the guy that I was working with suggested uh, that we pick an androgynous name um, because the whole image was going to be, what is this kind of, you know, now we would say kind of non-binary creature. Uh, is it is it male or female? What is it? And so we we decided to pick a, a name. And so I was thinking of a name, and then the guy just came up and said, "Hey, listen, I've just seen this um, uh, film, Emmanuel, and there was a character in it called B. Let's go with that." And I'm like, "I'm like, oh, really?" And then I watched the movie, and it, it was um, the the black maid from Emmanuel was called B. And I'm like, okay, that yeah, uh, you know. So so I took on that name and used it for my my solo st- uh, stuff, and it, and it just stuck. It just seemed right. And when I got to Thailand um, years years later, um, I noticed that Thai B is also a name in Thailand. Uh, lots of people are called B, and male and female are called B. Um, that relates to whether they're the first, second child. Uh, like A is the first child, B is the second child, not really often C. But um, so when I was working at a magazine, editing a magazine, I, I decided to look into promoting um, Thai writers and, and just delving into that world. And I discovered much to my shock that the woman that wrote the Emmanuel, which is in, you know, those Sylvia Crystal kind of semi-porn movies that were in the, the theatres in the 80s. Uh, the woman that wrote it was Thai. So mm. the reason she put the black, the maid being called Bee is actually because she's, she's used to it in the Thai context of it being a Thai name. So I'm like, wow, that was years before I even thought about going over there. So so there's been this calling in, in my spirit, um, I think, to that place. Other people have said that Peter Christopherson from Coyle, uh, he moved over years later. Uh, he was living with me for a while, and, and then he got his own place, and he spent maybe the last 10 years of his life there. And he, he said to me also that he felt that there was some, in his heart, there was some attachment to Thailand, and he could not explain it. Um, so... Yeah, so so that's my connection with Thailand. And the Thai capsule, if I can um, put that into the story. So I started writing a book, which I'm still working on, and I've been working on for years. And the book, um, it, fluct- it fluctuates between becoming uh, a memoir and then fiction. At the moment, it's, it's kind of fiction because it's strayed so far away from the truth. Um, but basically it was going to be me growing up because I I was born in the north of England in, uh, in a place called Barnsley, which is a real small mining town. Um, and I was born on a council estate, uh, there in a very brutal, very rough environment. Being, being, being a little kid that looked like a little girl, uh, and, you know, and different to everyone. That was a very dangerous place to grow up, um. And so, so basically, I, I kind of knew from day one that I had to get the fuck out of Dodgeville as soon as I could. Um, so in the story that I'm writing, the, 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 one, the main character is this kid in Barnsley. And it, so it goes through uh, some of the things that happened to him in Barnsley in the, in the 70s, growing up in that, that place. Um, and then eventually he ends up, in Bangkok, and he takes with him this uh, friend, a female friend who, um, who we were very close to basically. Um, and they're like little club kids, uh, and they end up in Bangkok. And so they had lots of adventures in in Bangkok. And one one day after after a, a heavy night out on the town in in the clubs with all with all the kind of uh, club, little Thai club kids and stuff. Um, They're both sat in this dodgy guest house in in Bangkok, this really grubby guest house. And and she notices under the wardrobe is a metal box. And um, she's like, oh, what's that? And she stares at it and then she bends down and she reaches out and fishes out this this big metal box. And then she opens it and inside is a cassette tape because it's the 80s um and there's a book and there's these like spiritual little trinkets and all these things and and photographs of like older type photographs and amongst them is also a photograph of them of, of the both of them and, mm-hmm. and she looks and she goes, oh fuck off you so put that in there you're fucking with me and the, and he the guy's like no, no, I did not. I did not. And that was the clothes we were wearing last night. How would I get it, you know, in there developed and stuff? And so then the Thai capsule comes into this story. And basically, it's like I view it as CARES or um, I guess a lot of American viewers wouldn't know CARES, it's a, cares is a, a 70s story, 60s or 70s story of a kid growing up in Barnsley um like billy elliott let's say billy elliott type goes through goes through the looking glass with a bunch of thai lady boys is because it then becomes very surreal all the stuff that starts happening um because in in the book which is th- this is the book that they find in in the, the thai shop and it's got it i i frame it as kind of like animism on acid so um the the stories in here um Although some Thai spirits may make a little appearance, none of it is true. I've made everything up. I, I didn't want what I, I don't want. I don't like to demystify Thailand and Bangkok. I don't like things that do that, whether it's the books on the magic or it, it's um, whether it's a guidebooks. So I never did it myself. I would also always have this journey of discovery where I would find things out without being told. I'd have no preconceptions of things. That was always very important to me. When I first went to Thailand, I did look in a guidebook in WH Smith's in London, and I looked at where it said you should go and stay. And it was a place called the Khao San Road. Everyone goes there. So I'm like, fuck, I'm not going there. So also, it said there was a place called Sang Dupli, and it said, avoid this place, it's full of junkies, prostitutes, and thieves. I right. went straight, lived there <laughs> for three years. I was I was there for three years, so I did use a guidebook for that. <laughs> but um, yes, you get a lot of books which demystify Bangkok and they explain why this happens and and half the time they're not even right. Even once on time, Magic, they're not even right. It's bullshit. And for me, it, it, it's 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 the spoiler, and it's like don't do that. Go and find out yourself. And so, with the Thai capsule, uh, nothing is true. Everything is permitted. That that's my rule. But yeah, some things are true in there, and some things are totally not. So, so there you could therefore the possibilities are endless of what you know how real is real. Um, so, so that, that was an important thing. So, um, yeah, so then, so then I decided, uh, I wrote it into my story and then I thought, hey, why not actually make a Thai capsule? And because I get carried away with things, I thought, yeah, if I'm making one, I should make 60. <laughs> don't know where the number came from. I've, uh, um. But I ended up making 60. And I've got one here, which I could show you briefly. So I, I also had, like, which one comes in in bag? So like, they're like these big... Th- these are actual cases that um, old guys in Thailand keep their amulets in. They're actually real amulet cases. So I had 60 of them made. And inside, um, I don't know if you... And I lined them all with original... Uh, these are all from Thai newspapers from the sixties, seventies, and eighties, and then okay, and then wow. I put, like had trinkets made, and then I put trinkets inside. Like, there's one story about the birds in Thailand. It's now illegal, but you'll see these old ladies, and they sit outside the temples, or they used to, they still do actually, even though it's illegal, and they'll have these little birds in cages. And you go and you pay money, and to the little old lady, and then she gives you the cage, and you open it, and then the bird flies away, and you get instant good karma. Of course, it's you know the birds are trained to come back. <laughs> so, but um, and also they 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 banned it because there was a lot of abuse with the birds as well. So I had um, I had these made, which are identical like replicas so I got Thai model makers to make these little cages with the little bird inside you can see incredible um, but in my story these old ladies um um basically it's trickery which we often found around temples anywhere in the world or it's trickery and and it's a ploy, um um the birds are little familiars Inside the cages, and they're linked to these other birds called the shadow birds, um, which are basically uh, also known as uh, shadow suckers because they 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 suck out souls from uh, people that have a guilt uh, triggered response by not giving the money to the lady. So they hang around that. I, I go. Through, it's kind of a complex story, but I go through it all in the book. Um. So yeah. So I I twist things. I like to. Um, look at things that I see there and, and then put my own twist and interpretation on, on that and just kind of fuck with reality and expand reality as well. And um, I think that's something I do. And your psychoanalyst audience that, that I know you have, you know, a, a lot of people listening that are, are, are well-versed in that will probably have a field day with this because I was thinking before about doing this podcast and things like that. And I, and I thought about in my past, growing up in that very brutal, uh, council estate, uh, a a very young age. I was in all the time. The moment I left the house and actually my brother was quite abusive too. Um, so I would get shit all, all the time. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why do you look like that? Why do you act like that? What are you, a boy or a girl? It was all this, this, um, Really, kind of uh, bullying, but uh, and real extreme violent behavior sometimes. And my way of dealing that so I was this little thing. I uh, would be that I would internalize everything, and so I created this world in my head, which was a, a quite nightmarish world actually. And there would be these demons that I would battle and wrestle with, and I would I would win them in my head. I would always be the victor. I on the outside I couldn't do that so I would internalize it and then I would fight with these demons and and then win it in my head. So that became a real um a kind of addiction actually. I got really into this whole fantasy uh, projection world in my head and but it was also really cathartic as well and and I got a real uh it nurtured my my self-awareness and and it, it was kind of like I think it was like emotional healing as well that I wasn't you know I could be victorious in something um and so I I and I would use like you know later I would use other spirits like alcohol to tap into that world and drugs as well and then when I when I got sober I realized that the best way to access that is, is through spirituality and faith. And, and that's the best kind of nurturing one can do for one's spirit. And, and so that's become a thing in, in more recent years. But um, it really was, um, yeah, it, it came from that negativity and that harsh environment, and it was a survival instinct, so I, I called on this kind of spirituality and uh, to overcome what I had to deal with in, in the real world. So maybe that's still today me wrestling with, with all that and, and the things that I do. Music was a big release for me too, and that was a way I could I could conquer the demons and I could deal with these you know with these things that were troubling me, and also. I'd like to add that I, it's not a real negative. I don't it's not all negative because through that adversity, I I did find my own pack, my own tribe of people. I you know, I'm still close with my father and my my mom passed away, but with my sister and that. So I, I do have that connection. But I but I moved away from where I was born and I found my own tribe and I was very lucky. Um because the way the universe lined up, it was uh, in the early '80s, and that's when I met people like Genesis and and uh, Jeff and Slees and David Tibet and all these super creative uh, people that were that were also creating their own world as well. So I hitched a ride on that. It was amazing. Even before that, I knew. I remember being a little kid and I watched um. I watched this uh, Manson uh, snuck downstairs and watch Helter Skelter as a kid. And I'm like, I want to go and live with those people. Nothing to do with the murders at all. But it was this other existence. Either that or I wanted to be in the Partridge family. <laughs> Anything that I wasn't, I was drawn towards. Um, so, yeah, I got, I got very lucky in, in that respect that I, I ended up moving to London and then hanging in with, with this um, crowd that were that became you know either um like mentors with people like you know sleeze and, and jeff and and stuff as well so yeah that was really lucky yes yeah, so that that's where we are with, with the tie cut show that I still haven't I'm still working on the main the main book is called High on Platforms um and so I'm still in writing that so it's still I don't know when it'll be finished if ever yeah
0: well it sounds amazing I'm currently working on my own kind of it's like a cut-up novel like Burroughs style but it also has like scenes from real life and it started to become more surreal so now I feel like inspired where like it's okay that it's going that direction and I'll just keep letting it get more and more surreal because like why not you know just go where it leads and I love how you're taking like an object that you found in the book and then creating it in real life and then that's going to kind of add to the whole experience and see where all of it goes
1: it does doesn't it I, I just love when once you have that license to to do whatever you want it opens up this whole world of of creativity and you know it it's it's very far away from the world of academia, which does have its place in the world too. It does. But it's not for me. You know, I, I left school when I was sixteen. Uh and the school I went to was virtually the worst school in England and then raised. It was like knocked down. Uh, and but that that didn't hold me back either, because I had never stopped reading since then as well and I just hung out with people that did do well in school and and modeled them and picked up things from that too um but yeah that that artistic license of, of leaving the the realms of, of some truth or whatever the rationale so yeah <laughs> so anything can happen I love that I really love that it, it's just so freeing and, and it's what I've done since I was a kid. I had to do it as a survival mechanism when I was growing up because it was so brutal outside. I had to retreat inside. And so I, I've just stopped there and I've never left it. I've never stopped going there.
0: Um, well, it seems you know, that this is why there's so much great art and music that's come out of England. Because yeah. it has been historically pretty brutal.
1: Right. It is, isn't it? And And we look at the times like... You know when when punk rock came out, when, that was like it was so hard then. You know, it with the strikes that were happening, and oh, it was so it was so hard. And and then later in the eighties, with the Thatcher, with all the rave and acid house culture that came out, it was amazing. It was really amazing. It is in those t- oppressed times that some of the best art happens. It really does. Um. Yeah it it it's that fine line isn't it between maintaining and staying above it all and still creating to me the, the key of everything is to create if i get really you know down or depressed and stuff my sometimes my only way out of it is is to actually get make something from it write something or or you know put something together yeah
0: absolutely so let's use this moment to have people listen to the Thai capsule trailer so they can hear a piece of it for themselves
1: ooh, ooh. roll up roll up for the fake death kick. experience the kill of the lifetime and live to tell hissing and screeching like a sack of cats a bunch of cackling girls and speed queens hover over a cute Cambodian motorcyclist. Hey, first star on the right and straight on till morning. Fire in his eyes, blood gasoline, death orgasm. Satanic black hair orgasm. shakes and shudders. time, death, death. You wake up at the side of the road, fate smells. Yes, sir, Vision. There's an old Indian shrine hidden away in the back streets of Bangkok's garment district. The E on the entrance sign has been tampered with, so now it reads Entrance. A life-size statue of a young Indian girl. Her name is Cartoon Vishwan. the key that unlocks the age-old question. How will death finally take me? The scene jerks and shifts into fast-forward mode. George, who's now at death's door, stumbles into the shrine. A car steering wheel lodged in his chest spits out bits of broken teeth and dashboard. I want my fucking gold back.
0: I love it. It's so good. Thank you. And then this... This legend that you that you mentioned is that this legend that you sent me the link to. Which
1: one was that?
0: This legend.
1: Oh, Oops. oh, that that actually is the, that's not in the actual Thai capsule. That is a, actually one of the myths that is a true myth. But so many people ask me about that. Uh, that's that's the spirit. See Hata. and see Hata is the incarnation of Indra. Um, and that. But I must say that nine and a half Thai people that I ask have never heard of it there's very few unless you're really into the spirit world then you would know but most people never ever recognize that the five the five-eyed monkey um, spirit um but that is one is of the that two. this? yes that's him see yes. who uh, I also have I, I hope let me show you something. I also got these from the spirit market too. Wow. This is also him.
0: Oh and wow.
1: You see who Hata, you know it's him because he's eating red hot curls. So he eats the red hot curls and then he shits them out as gold. Wow. So there is a is a pile of steaming gold. Um yeah, and here's here's another, this is a brass one of him too. See, once Incredible. again, he's eating the red, red hot curls, and then he's, he's shitting them out as, as gold. The legend, the legend of Indra, the king of heaven, looked down to earth and saw a hard-working farmer tirelessly plowing his fields. After slaving away all day, at sunset, he would head home to dutifully care for his elderly mother with tenderness and love. Impressed by his diligence, Indra decided to reward him. But first, because this is what gods do, he decided to test the farmer's humanity. Indra turned himself into a peculiar looking monkey and descended from the heavens to earth. As the blazing sun began to dip in the cloudless sky, the farmer was tending his crops when he noticed a strange beast scurrying about. It was a monkey with four ears and five eyes, unlike anything he'd seen before. The monkey looked hungry, so the farmer offered it some of his freshly picked bananas. To his surprise, it ravenously wolfed them up, skins and all, leaving nothing behind. Days rolled by, the farmer continued to offer the creature food that he was harvesting and even shared his own meals with the poor critter. The monkey, who he named Si Ha Ta, grew to trust the farmer and would follow him around as he worked, chattering away in his own strange language. One day, the farmer was away in town getting supplies and medicine for his sick mother. Sihu A Da began to pick at the crops in the field. When the farmer returned, he was devastated to discover that Sihu A Da had greedily gobbled up the lot. Overcome with anger, the fuming farmer caught Siu A-Dar, put him in chains, and locked him in the barn leaving the monkey alone in the dusky darkness. Hours later, a fierce storm began to brew. Ice-cold winds swept across the fields. The farmer thought about Sihu Da alone in the freezing barn. He took him some food and, using kindling wood and charcoal, built a fire so the creature wouldn't freeze to death. As the night wore on, the farmer began to feel an even greater sense of guilt and compassion. He knew that he had acted rashly and that he'd not shown the monkey the kindness that he always prided himself on. The next morning, the farmer decided he would let the creature go free, so he went back to the barn to do just that. He lifted the latch and slowly pushed the old creaking door open. As he peered in the dimly lit barn, he saw Sihuada crouched beside the remains of the fire, staring into the molten ashes. The monkey turned to stare at the farmer with wild eyes and then began furiously devouring the red hot coals. A faint whiff of sulphur filled the air. To the farmer's astonishment, the monkey started shitting fiery coals. Soon, steaming piles of molten gold nuggets filled the barn. Sihu Huata turned to face the farmer once more. This time, a huge grin adorned his face. He raised his arms and took off into the air with graceful, majestic movements, soaring higher and higher towards the heavenly realms above. The farmer was left with a sense of awe, inspiration and riches yeah he, he's the manifestation of my kind of my higher higher power spirit and it it, it said that devotees of of you must live a very pure life because he's always watching and he's always listening so I, I kind of like that as well yeah
0: incredible and i mean thailand is such a magical place and i love what you said about not having these books that like over-explain or try to explain mm. because historically <laughs> all the Westerners going places and explaining what people are doing are not correct. <laughs>
1: exactly. that That's totally it, isn't it? And, and yeah. I don't want to be that, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I really, I'm aware of appropriating things. I don't. Um, I, I was once due to do an exhibition in, in the UK, uh, And at the last minute, they pulled out because they said it was appropriation. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, hang on. Okay, first of all, there were Thai artists contributing artwork that they made, A. B, I didn't just, like, pick up National Geographic and think, oh, that's nice. I'll do something about that. I immersed myself in Thai culture for 30 years. 30
0: years, yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I was there. And, you know, I... I kind of, you know, I've, I've, I've worked in the Thai industry with artists and musicians for 30 years, too, uh, from, you know, doing my, the, I did a radio show, and then I was in a band with with, with Thai uh, people in the band, too. I worked in, you know, clubs with Thai people. I totally immersed myself in Thai culture. Um, and quite, I, I think, kind of, for some reason, because maybe because I don't fit into my own culture really much, but I, I fit in really well there. I remember one time um, I I was working, I got a job at a media company and they, they own the second biggest English language newspaper and they also had a TV station. And they told me, they said, hey, we'll put you in the TV station because, um, but you won't be there for long because no Westerner has ever been there for more than two months because they just can't get on with all the big head anchors. And, and, and the, the news team. Um, so when, once you've had it there, we'll move you on to the newspaper side. I did that for five years. I was there until the government shut the TVs because it was kind of, you know, anti-government. They shut it down in the end. But I was there um, right until the end. I think um, one has to be very fluid to, to navigate um, living in... A, I'm not sure about all kinds foreign places but for Thailand you definitely have to be very fluid which I feel that I can you know be as well um yeah it 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 is um it's it's my home but I I'm I'm also not one of those people that that you hear it a lot where they say oh you'll never be accepted by the the Japanese the Chinese whatever and it's like well I wasn't accepted by my own people so I'm, I've got no designs on being accepted by any culture. I, I you know, I prefer to to live outside, and on the edge. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I've, you know, I've been an outcast all my life, and I'm happy with that. I don't want to be, you know. I think I should be worried if I if ever I'm accepted. Um, I like to hang out with the, with the outcasts. I think it's more stimulating. It's more pure that lack of conformity and in you know and i it's something that i've always adhered to like when i you know when i first was hanging out with um with circuit tv and in the temple and there were a few people saying why haven't you got that haircut you know the skinhead haircut with the little thing at the back and i'm and i'm like no i'm not i don't I, I don't conform, and, and as as I would, you know, later find out, that was also expected that you didn't really conform with that as well. Um, so yeah, that that lack of, um, I, I guess it's a punk attitude as well. Maybe I picked up some of it from that too, but I think mostly it comes from that rejection. Really, it's my antidote to rejection is to, um, if they call you a freak, then. Really act even more like a freak as well. Um, I think, it, it, especially in these times today, I think it's kind of required. Um, yes.
0: Really own it. I feel like the most authentic people don't fit in with the norms though because if you're like really being true to yourself I mean like as far as like sexuality like everybody's born like bisexual pansexual just sexual and then we like fit ourselves into these little categories based on what is expected of us you know and I think that happens with like all aspects of our personality we're like kind of so open and then we just get narrower and narrower an idea of what we should be. So I feel like the people who are kind of more authentic and like true to their spirit or themselves don't fit into all these boxes because the boxes are man-made, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah, that, that's so true. And even, even myself, when I tell myself I'm something, like when I first realized and identified and came out as, as being gay, I, I, I then started dating a girl. i'm like it's almost like even myself i'm like that as soon as i say like like, really (laughs) i'll stop it's like hang on it's like what and and the thing is to be fluid again and and follow that that for me is the big thing about whether it's anti-aging whether it's sexuality whether it's it be fluid fluidity is the key i think to most and also with my art as well like you know i I would tell myself I can't draw, but then I would teach myself to draw something, and then bam i could I could do it I did it um and that the other thing is to be fluid don't listen to that inbox or those people around you the outer voice that tells you no you can't question everything and do it, and you know do it as as good as you can that, so that's um that's being another thing you know when I was at, at that terrible school the English teacher wouldn't. Put me down for the exams and said i would never amount to anything i ended up becoming an executive editor at a magazine <laughs> and he actually got fired for sleeping with one of the students <laughs> <laughs> but um it's a bit of comic revenge there <laughs> um and so yeah that that's the key as well is to you know don't limit oneself
0: in that too yeah and i also just have to say you have the best aesthetics like you have, the, my, you have like my favorite aesthetics and like all of your music. Like I was already listening to some of it, but I've been like really listening to it in pre- preparation for you to come on. And like Into a Circle, it's just like you're blowing my mind. Like I love this music so oh, much. Oh, it's so
1: good. Thank you. That's really sweet. And Into a Circle is like the band that never happened really. Because <laughs> there's very few people that know about that band. It was totally brushed over. And that's fine. I kind of don't mind that. In a lot of ways, financially, it would be great to have some money, but but in every other aspect, it's like another thing that's not—it's never been discovered. It's never been discovered. Um, so yeah, we've got a new single coming. It's the final one. We've finished now. The, this next single that's coming out is going to be the last one, and um, it's basically it, its called uh, Tomorrow Today, and it's about um, me meeting. Uh, not just Genesis, but but like all those people at that time, and making this this kind of decision of you know what I'm, am I going to really go on this kind of journey into with the outsiders on the edge because this is this is the commitment and and I and I'm like fuck yeah I'm going to go so it it's about basically it's like dropping out and really really dropping out but um, the cover like um because they 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 asked me to do the cover for it too and I was thinking of what I could do and I was looking through my old pictures my old photographs of the last couple of years and stuff um and one the one that sprung up was when I went to the exhibition of Genesis um the one at the in New York last was it at the
0: Rubin Museum
1: yeah it was so good wasn't it and and I, and the, the one with the 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 hand which is out, so I would taken with me. Uh, I'm wearing this this one of the bangles that the girls when when Jen passed the girls sent me um some some of the bangles that Jen would wear all the time, mm. and um and I had that with me. And so I, I I did a photograph of me passing the bangle back to Genesis's hand,
0: mm. and that's what
1: I'm going to use. Also, the chorus is the Hand of Chance," which, as some people may know, is a Psychic TV album title as well. I just wanted to give some respect to, like, uh, as I said, not just Jan, but but you know Peter Christopherson and and Jeff, uh, John Balance, and um, and all those people that were so uh, pivotal in for me in in the journey that would become the, that the life since. It was, it really was. So I just wanted to give a little nod to that as the final Into a Circle, um, especially- Yeah,
0: perfect I, to have it as a circle. Yeah,
1: exactly, in two hands, two mm. hands, one circle. So it, it just fits as a bookend to the whole story. Cause kind of Jen was there right at the beginning as well uh, when I first hooked up with those people that became Into a Circle. Uh, so yeah, so I, I kind of like, <clears throat> I wanted to do a nod to that. But now we've finished that project and hopefully um, there'll be more music projects. There. I'm speaking with um, John Gosling, who was um, around the scene that time too. He arrived about the same time as I did um, and worked with um, Saki TV and Coyle. He was one of the very few people, I can't think of anyone else really, that remained friends with both sides of that camp when they, because it was a very kind of oh, abrasive slit when when um, Jeff and, and John Bunsen, um and Slips left. Uh, most people were on one camp or the other, but John and I remained friends with both. Um, and so he came down to an Intercircle show and we spoke afterwards and um he, th- he said, oh, we should do something together. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I would love that. So hopefully that will be um, one of the next projects that I do will be something with John Gosling. So, yeah. so That would I'm, be
0: great. Because you hmm. just played a few shows as Into the Circle.
1: Yeah, we just did two shows. Um, um, that was it. We didn't want to... Uh, i I kind of done what, I, what we wanted to do with Into the Circle. And... Um, the, some of the songs were like, you know, f- 35, 40 years old, and I don't really relate to them. And people were, oh, you have to perform the old songs. And it was like, well, why? And so if we continued on that trajectory, we would constantly, I'd constantly be asked to do old things that I perhaps didn't feel anything for. So I just thought, you know what, just shut it down and um and just um just leave it, really. and And it will become, you know... It's done, basically. Well,
0: it's perfect as it is. So good. Mm. It,
1: it, you, one should know when to walk away. It's like when you're when you're painting a picture or something, or you know, when you've when you've written a song or something. Then you 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 really need to know when is the right time to walk away. I think that's that's one key to to being an artist as well is to know when something's done, and and I feel that with Intercircle, it's done. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so. and how about Futon and Getting the Fear? Getting the Fear just had uh, your album pressed yeah. recently, last year, yeah?
1: Yeah, they did. Uh, I, I mean, Getting the Fear, the thing with Getting the Fear is the elements of, uh, the, of that that were working, We I took with Into a Circle, which was Barry and I, really. Um, um, so I, da- I doubt there would be any Getting the Fear. Futon, um, the thing with Futon is that we're all over the world. Like, there's one in Japan, there's two in Thailand, there's me in London. There's one in Ibiza. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure if anything would happen with that. Um, that was a fun project. Futon was real fun. That was great. That was really great. Yeah, I, I did love it a lot. But I think that's kind of done its course too. Really.
0: Well, they're I all think. on Spotify, so I'm going to link to all of them for everybody oh, great. so they can yeah, check yeah. them out. Yeah,
1: there was, some <laughs> fun, there was some very fun stuff with with Futon. Yeah. And there's a new I'm um, I, – I, there is something new coming out, but I'm I'm not allowed to speak about it yet because I signed an NDA. Um, I have
0: something we can speak about, though, because Carl says hi, of course, and he hey, told Carl. me to tell you that the Geisen book new edition is wrapped and oh. it's going to be out, like, soon. Like, but probably by the time this is out in a couple of weeks, it'll be out. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. And maybe the thing that I can't speak about, which is um, –
1: I'm going to be very careful now. I know um, what
0: it is. So you, if you, it's yeah. out, then I will be sure to mention it in the beginning of this podcast too. And plug it there.
1: Clue? You want to drop a clue in case It's not, let me say <laughs> I, I'm narrating something I didn't write. That's cool. all I can say. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I will I, definitely, okay. if
0: it's released by the time this comes out, I'll definitely plug it in the beginning too.
1: Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm really excited about that too. So that's, Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, there will be more, there'll be more things coming as well, music wise, hopefully. And, and writing, maybe I'll finish this book. Jen Jen and I, he kind of won that battle because Jen and I always used to go, When are you going to finish your fucking book? And I would say, (laughs) When are you going to finish your fucking book? (laughs) But, But Jen's book was finished, so I should get my shit together and finish mine. But I feel that. You know, I don't know how you think about this, but I feel that there's this muse that, that only gives us things when we're ready to, to to do it. And with this high on platforms book, um, I do spend time on it, but it's not there, and it's not. And but I'm, I feel I'm not being given the keys to some doors that I have to open to to make to complete it. And I don't know why yet, but that it, it's a real gut feeling um, I, I don't think I'm procrastinating, I really don't, but it's not there's something not cooked yet that needs to be cooked before it's completed so so I'm a big believer in that. Yeah.
0: I'm a big believer in the process, too, especially this sounds like a very magical, creative book. And like, like everything will come out and it's time, you know, and it sounds like if you're creating these things, these objects to go into the world, they're going to like somehow feed back. And like that's going to become part of the book. And it sounds like a whole process that's like working in your life and yeah. and also reaching out to other people's lives through these magical objects. So I think I think it will come out. Yeah, when it's yeah. ready. Yeah,
1: it needs yeah, to be birthed. Think, yeah, I think so too. Had I finished it fifteen years ago, then it, it wouldn't have the tie capsule because I hadn't put that element in yet. So yeah, I think I think that's it. There's some things that need to be placed before the final ending comes. Mm-hmm. And also, in the
0: meantime, people can enjoy these wonderful pieces of jewelry.
1: Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of loving these. Yeah. I'm kind of loving these that there was a lot of work going into like putting them together and find even finding them and deciding which, because each of the, um, each of the spirit charms there's meaning behind it. They're not switched on. I must say that they haven't been switched on. I, I could have, ha- I could have taken them somewhere and had them blessed and switched on, but I decided not to. I decided that if, um, if people want to switch them on, then they have the perfect vessel to do, to do that basically but i decided not to do it um have it done myself you know which would have been not difficult at all but that was a really conscious decision also i think that magically once something is switched on you really have to uh work around it in a different manner like i know friends that have bought spirit houses from um from thailand and I've said to them, don't switch it on. Do not switch it on. Because the moment you offer blessings, or the moment and you and you call those spirits into that spirit house, you have to do you're gonna have to do it every day. And if you're not prepared to give it the best spot in your house, to 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 give it what it you know, water and blessings and respect every day, those spirits are gonna come and fuck with you. And they're Thai spirits and which are really soup? They're like the super spirits. I "I feel that um, Thai ghosts and Thai spirit, uh, yeah." I, don't I'm, fuck with you, them. You don't fuck with them. You really don't. I mean, I, th- it, I think it was sleeves that that said that, like, he felt that in in Thailand that that veneer between. The, the real reality and the spirit world is super fine that you can easily cross cross through on both sides. So watch out. Yeah. I, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah and that magic and it's so present in just like the culture and life and every day there. Yeah. You just feel it walking around.
1: Every day, whether you're walking past a building, if you see the thing, you're you'll, you're, you know, for, for safe passage, just walking past it. You know. If if you're a if you're a guy and you want to take a piss up a, up a tree in some country area, you you will you you wire the tree and the spirits in the tree just in case it's a charged tree. It's yeah, you're totally aware of those spirits all the time. It's something that I've I've always been switched on to as well. Don't don't fuck with that really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I that yeah, that's why I didn't want my the the. The tie capsule jewelry, I, I made a point of saying that it, it's not switched on. I mean, there are people that, that will sell online and, and stuff that will sell things like that, which is really thoughtless, basically, because you really, that's, that's it's crazy. You shouldn't be doing that at all.
0: Yeah, and especially if people that are getting it don't really understand what they're getting, what they're yeah. accepting, what they're bringing uh, into their home yeah. or. Don't they, the have, they don't have the proper yeah. relationship with those entities. No. Yeah. no, it's really
1: like you know, it. You've got to be very careful. It's like you know. Um, I, I listened to um, the the audible of um, The Exorcist the other week, which was fantastically read by the author Peter Blatty. Mm. Uh, oh, it it I, it's my second favorite Audible now. It but that I, I just realized that wow, it, you could really compare that with Thai spirits as well—the the the craftiness and the malevolence—and you really can. So it's like one one should have nothing but the utmost respect. And and but I also believe that if, if you don't go there, you're okay. Generally, generally. I remember one story, and I, I put this in the Thai capsule book. Um when I we first moved this this girl and I when we first moved to Bangkok and we were, we lived in this amazing apartment block. All our neighbors all worked in the bars in Pap Pong. So they were all the the guys and 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 the women that worked the bars and and us, basically these little club kids. And we we decided to move up onto the top floor and we got this room three, I think it was like three to eight. And uh, and the boys, they said to us, oh, wow, that room's, this is, they said, they said, basically that room, there's the spirit that lives in that room, because there was some woman that had, um, abortion's legal in Thailand, she had an abortion in the room, and, and the, the spirit, of the, the baby spirit is there, and they said, so it, it but basically they said, it's, it'll fuck with you, but you'll have really, really good luck and oh my god we i think we we lasted about five, four months there and during that time not every night but some nights we would we would have the most horrendous nightmares mm. and we would both wake up at exactly the same time and these, and these like spirits were, were were eating our hands and doing all, mm. it was very similar nightmares we would have all the time it was never in the waking world that we, we had any malevolent stuff, but always in that dream world. And we had it an awful lot. But at the same time, um, we, we were sharing our money because we were just living in, together at the time. And then she went out one day and she went, oh my God, I've just met this guy, really gorgeous looking Thai guy and he's super rich. And he just gave me like, I think it was like 800 pound and said, oh, go shopping and buy yourself something. And then she, so she met this hot, young Thai guy that was super rich and just kept throwing the money, like, crazily at, at her. Like, it was insane. It was like, you know, winning the lottery. Um, So, so yeah, on both counts, they were right. We had, it was scary, really scary, terrifying. But we had amazing luck, Um, actually, until, and then we moved out, and then the guy moved on to another girl that he... Mm. Came obsessed with. <laughs> but, <laughs> the um, next girl moved into that room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it was it, it, it totally was exactly as they they told us it was going to be. So so part of the um, I put the artwork from a drawing that I did at the time. I woke up one night so scared that I I just drew what was in my head, and and it was this drawing of of her and I laid on the bed with this ghost spirit with a heart with its heart ripped out. Mm um standing above us and that that was from so i didn't draw that from memory i drew it at the time and Mm. got it from an old notebook and then i put it in the 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 book that's in in the tie capsule the tie capsules are a bit expensive um because basically to make them cost so much and so i decided that i do on my website i do have the books and other things which are much cheaper uh um because I couldn't sell i couldn't uh I had to have them at a higher price, but then I wanted stuff you know available to people that didn't have much too, so there's there's the books on there too as well um yeah, so um yeah, Thai spirit yeah
0: <laughs> incredible, and I have to say since you mentioned Peter Christopherson, I think. The work he did there with the "Form Grows Rampant," the Special House Choir oh, uh, in Thailand—that's some of his best work. That it? album is amazing. He,
1: he he was so he changed so much. I, I knew Sleighs not as well. I knew Jeff, uh, his partner John Balance, very well in uh, in the uh, in the eighties and nineties. And but when Sleez moved over to Thailand, spent the last ten years of his life. I've never seen a person's character change as much as he, he became, oh, he just tuned into this different personality and became so much more content and he moved into his own head and he was always laughing and yeah, but he really tuned into that, that the spirit world too there. He really did. And um, yeah, we, we was, cause he lived around the corner when he got his own place. So we would see each other all the time. In fact, the band Futon, um, originally, there were four members and Unsleazy used to call himself the fifth futon because he actually he he helped us like mix the songs. He did a live sound. He he built websites. He did he did covers for releases. He, he loved doing it all. So, yeah, it, he was really it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But his threshold house stuff was really tuned into wasn't
0: it absolutely and all these people are so magical because somehow my you I never talked to you about my trajectory but like I was this little goth kid in Miami and my mom kicked me out when I was 15 and I used to just basically spend all night at the club the, this like one goth club and like sleep in the park or abandoned buildings or whatever and just like basically live there you know and I was like hooking up with one of the bouncers so I could you know be free Get free drinks and all that stuff there. Yeah, and then I ended up. I used to steal CDs from him <laughs> when I would sleep at his house. Okay. And I stole the Tainted Love CD that had like Tainted Love on one side and Panic on the other. And I had no idea who these people were, no. but I just like put it on when I, you know, got to wherever I was and put in my little Walkman or CD Ooh. man or whatever they're called now. Um, and I was just like what is this and i was like reading the liner notes and how all of this like benefits aids research and stuff and i was yeah. like who does this like it was yeah. incredible it just like blew my like 16 yeah. year old brain wide open you know yeah. and then like anything i could find by them i was like who are these people like mm-hmm. i just obsessed they were like a lifeline cuz you know this is miami so it's all like you know, like Gloria Stefan and stuff like that, you know it's like oh really, God. like wow. not my scene. <laughs> so ah. it was just like, I had this like tiny little goth scene. And then, like, I just like grabbed onto these people. I was like, I don't know who these people are, but like, I understand these people. like these people, I love them. And then, like, yeah, I've just like followed this train. And even Annie, I used to listen oh. to like things happen all the time. And I just would listen to that song over and over, like, who who is this person who made this song? Like, this is incredible. Just like put me in a place I needed to be. And then when I when I met Annie and she's like, I have no idea why I moved to Miami and we were like at her house one night or something. I was like, maybe all this thing to you like, channeled you. you here. And she's like, maybe, because I don't know why I'm here.
1: Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. I love Annie too. That's her. she's a magical person. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah yeah those that that time was very potent for Coyle as well i really yeah it it really was and and there's so many special memories of of both of them because they used to come over to bangkok and hang out and just um we'd just be like for weeks together just like hanging out in in thailand and and going off to like uh, elephant centers and then we went off to vietnam and stuff and so many special memories there, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really beautiful. Yeah, to get to, that was the good thing about being in Thailand. Although I missed a lot of friends, being away from, for like the whole of the nineties the and thousands, the great thing was that when people did come over, um, I would get to see them like all the time. It was like, and it was special high quality time. Um, whereas if we were all in London I would probably not the amount of hours we would spend together wouldn't even, maybe be the same mm-hmm. so it really was quality time so that that made it really special too Yeah,
0: yeah. it's also a good testament like I think you're right like there is some aspect of like always being an outsider you know yes. but then there's this other aspect that you describe like where it becomes a conscious choice you're like am I gonna go with the outsider like rebels like am I gonna follow this and then you're like yeah. hell yeah but there is a point like I remember making that choice too like Ew. like you know am I gonna go this way and it's like yeah that's like that's the way I'm gonna go and yeah. it's, I think it's just a testament to how important it is to keep doing that and like being true to yourself because yeah. it helps others people that are in that position too they're like oh there's more more of us like this and and it helps yeah. them like go that way as well instead of feeling like they need to go into these like you know places that are of conformity that just make you feel dead inside you know
1: completely completely uh, that's really fascinating that you noticed the actual time too mm-hmm. that's really fascinating i wonder I, I do wonder one thing because back in the day if I was in the 80s, early 80s, and I was on the tube and I saw a person sitting opposite me with, say, a Prince Albert ring in their ear, I instantly knew then on the spot that that person was into piercing. And if they were into piercing, they were probably into other things. Um, and Or if they had some tattoo that was just a bit off the norm, um, it was a real tribal kind of badge. But now I wonder because like I if I saw someone with a PA on the tube opposite me or interesting to two, I wouldn't think twice. So is it how do these people identifying markers, can they still be as discerning as we could back then? Is that I mean, do they have to maybe the internet would provide that, I don't know. What do you think?
0: I don't know, because it turns into just like fashion, yeah. you know, like it gets yeah. like co-opted, you know, mm-hmm. like everything is like, yeah, yeah kind of mainstream now. Where it's like, yeah. where is the underground? I'm sure it's there somewhere, yeah. but where, you know, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, like you know, it just yeah. it feels like everything's been co-opted into the mainstream, like, you know, kink and everything. It's like everything yeah. is like everything. all out there.
1: Yeah. I, I told my godson the other day, I said, don't have any tattoos because you look really weird and if you don't have any compared to everyone else if you don't have any you'll be you'll be the odd one out Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it's um it is because it was a real identifier and it was a real wow okay that you could gravitate towards those people and that but now I don't know what how that how kids do that
0: yeah and I think maybe magic is still not totally mainstream, even though like aesthetics wise, it it did seep in and there is like yeah. witch talk and all of this kind of yeah. thing. But like yeah. maybe that's more surface or maybe it does have depth to it. I don't know.
1: Right. Maybe they don't need it anymore because maybe they're more accepted in general. I don't know. I went to the, the satanic um, flea market. In, in London a fun event. Yeah. Ago, and it was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Doing stuff that had we, had they be doing that in the eighties, it would have been like what, what, what the fuck? And so maybe they're already, maybe the gang just got so big. I don't know.
0: Yeah, um, maybe like you said, it's just become uh, people just see it as like aesthetic choices and yeah. not something so threatening.
1: Mm. But but it but does is it still required as it, when it as it was back then? Because I mean, it was my lifeline. It really was. After being told that I was this, you know, freak that should just not exist. Um, and then to be welcomed by this group in, of people in London that were like, wow, come and, come and you know, be with us, be yourself and, and stuff. That was so liberating and such a safety net.
0: No, and those spaces are important because like that goth club, I mean, that guy saved my life, you know, that club wasn't open to go to. I don't know what would have happened to me, Mm -hmm. but always like, you know, starting at like 8 p.m. I had a place to be during the Mm -hmm. night till like five in the morning. So that kept me pretty, you know, off the streets and safe for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, It's like a real it's like a real lifesaver. I'm going to talk to soon this guy in Amsterdam named Freak Wallach, who's also a magical person. Um, and he just became like what's called the nightmare there where it's like the they're trying to like co-opt these kind of like underground spaces in Amsterdam that of course have like so much lib- more liberal rules, you know, historically. Mm. And it's becoming this more like touristy like scene and the, and the like local underground people are getting upset. They don't want their scene to be like co-opted and commodified and turned into like tourist business. And, they, and it's just one of the things he talks about is like, it's really important for these spaces for young people that don't have places to go that are outcast that they have like a community i mean it's like yeah. you know lgbtq community Definitely. you know there's like goth magic community like people need community that aren't like yeah. of the mainstream
1: they do and and i also think they need physical community because i think the internet is 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 wonderful i mean it's also you know horrific as well but it can be wonderful as a place of connection as well but i think that physical connection is 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 in different matter completely it takes it to a whole new level if you can be in a in a room in a club in a whatever with people that are of the same ilk it's so much more real than the internet as well if you're in a chat group of people that's great do it but if you can get to the real thing, then I think that's so much better. It really is.
0: Yeah, you might that's have to move. You might have to move from your hometown.
1: <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> to find the others. Uh, you know what? That that would be my suggestion <laughs> to any kid in a little town where they're just getting, it's like, get the fuck out as soon as you can.
0: Yeah, there's a whole big wide world out there.
1: I'm so glad I did i mean gosh i mean and and my bad start is 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 in some ways the energy that I need to to get to keep me going that's that that's the fuel in my tank, basically as well is when you come from such a bad start. It's like it really spurs you on and on and on together.
0: Yeah, you learn to create a new world of your yeah. own it's yeah. for survival.
1: Yeah. I go into it in my high-on platforms book that my first experience of that was um when I was about eleven and I, I on my council estate, the first ever immigrants moved three dollars down and they were they were um from Bangladesh and and the whole of the, the the estate that I lived on, the council estate, were all like, oh, okay, you know, calling them names and stuff, and I was just like, hum. and and I instantly became adopted by them. I would go around to their house and and just hang out there all the time, and I'd eat their food, I'd I, I'd listen to their music. It was, to me, that was like, wow, there is more to life than, than just this little, you know, hick, hick town. There are these people that, that worship these wonderful gods and they eat this weird food and wear these amazing clothes. And I'm like, I want to I go where they came from. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, So I, they kind of adopted me as well, which was interesting because my brother was a, a right-wing uh, skinhead. Uh-oh. We shared a bedroom and on my side of the room, I would have anti-Nazi things eventually when I became a punk and he would have National Front. I mean, and he would be like, um, yeah, awful. So I, it was really going against that that grain. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just was, you know, like a sponge wanting anything else that, that, that wasn't what I was from. So, yeah, get out of town, I would say, kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention that we didn't get to? Anything coming up or anything else you want to plug or anything like that? Um, um,
1: not really. I think we covered everything, actually. I think, I think so. I think, I think we actually did. Um, yeah, I think we did. It's been wonderful speaking with you.
0: Absolutely. And you do have to finish your book because i i want to read it
1: i know i, know. I will i know you can take on general and i say Be where the fuck is this fucking book
0: yeah and you can ask me because i've been working on mine for a couple of okay. years now too and i keep yeah. saying i have this book that's coming out <laughs> okay. i've noticed in posts like from a couple of years ago i was saying that so i know
1: <laughs> I, will. I will maybe
0: when i feel comfortable i'll send you like a little snippet and see what you think I,
1: likewise i'll send you some stuff too Yes. Oh actually I will. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. That'll be fun. Yeah, let's do an exchange. Yeah, okay. That'll,
0: that'll get a, a fire under my ass. Yeah, me
1: too. Me too. Jen would love
0: that. <laughs> All right, B. So just um, when you which pick which song you want me to put at the end oh, okay. and just let me know. And then
1: Yeah, should should I tell you the song now or should sure. I? Yeah, it, it's gonna be my frozen heart.
0: My like, into a
1: cir- into a circle. It's um it's the one that I don't know if I told you the story of that song.
0: Oh,
1: tell me the story of the song. Um so so basically um I I dated uh for, for for like four years. I was going out with um a Thai guy called M. And um when we stopped dating, we still were were very close, really really close, and uh em very suddenly passed jen met him too actually when jen came over and janice they hung out and jackie hung out with them and anyway so M passed away very suddenly and um we were talking every day before he passed away he was in hospital and stuff and he, he didn't he thought he was getting better but then went into a coma and um and um, and passed away. I, I It ripped my heart out. I was just, I couldn't, I didn't know what, how to handle it. And so a friend suggested that I did the bardo for him, which I did. Every night I lit the candle and and read the bardo to his spirit. I called him and read it. Anyway, um, a year later, I, I was speaking with a iron who said, who was an amazing guy, actually. And, and he contacted my mom and stuff. But then he said, I've got this person here, and he he said that when he died, you really helped him because he didn't know he was dead, and and he said somehow you helped him with that, and that, so instantly I knew, and I also felt like bursting into tears, um, which is odd because I'm from where I'm from, I never cry. I'm from Barnsley. You you, you didn't is a weakness. You don't cry. It's very hard for me to cry. Um, but M used to cry all the time. I would look over and he'd have tears running down his face and I'd be like, what's wrong? And there would be some song on the radio that just made him cry or if anyone shouted at him, he would cry. Um, and so I really emo- I got really emotional. I wanted to burst into tears. And he said, oh, I've got him. And he said, this, he said you did something for him. And I said, oh, yeah, when he passed, I wrote a book of our memories and I had it translated into Thai with photographs and I gave it to his mom and his sister as a remembrance thing and he said oh yeah he loves that but he said do you do music because he wants you to write him a song and I'm like oh yeah I do do music but I'm not in a band at the moment and he went oh can you write him a song please because he really wants you to write him a song and I'm like oh okay okay and I I didn't and then uh, my friend bought me another session with this guy a year later, and then he said he was tell- saying other things, and he said, "Now I've got this person here, and we established it was M. And then he said, "You were supposed to do something for him, and you've not done it. What is it?" And I'm like, "And I knew, but I didn't say." He went, and then he went, "It's something you've not done it. It's oh, he says it's a song. You haven't written it for him. He really wants you to write this song," and and I was like. OK, well, actually, I'm doing music again now, so I, I, I can do that. So a week later, uh, I got this music from Barry, it was the other half, uh, into a circle. And I thought, OK, I'll write the song for M. And so I started playing the music and, and trying to write. And it was all just wasn't working. It was too gushing. It was too, yeah. So I just thought, OK, so I lit a candle and I said, OK, you can come and help me do this. So I called his spirit, and I instantly like I felt like bursting into tears. I really felt, and I got this overwhelmed emotion, and then bam, I just wrote these lines down and and it was pretty much when I actually recorded it in the studio i I didn't change much i did, I did change a few words, but not much and every time I sing it, even when i even when I hear it sometimes, I get this overwhelming it, emotion and I just feel like crying it's insane because nothing else can do that to me nothing does it's uh so for me it's a really potent song and I I, you know I've said before that if if in my whole life there was only one thing I did which was write that song I would be happy Uh, you know if you could take any everything away except one thing that I'd done in it would be that one song that I would keep yeah so it's it's a really potent you know um song yeah when we performed it in london fuck that was so hard because i was like trying to not to cry but i just felt this emotion choked up in my in my throat and stuff yeah so that's um uh it, it's called my frozen heart yeah
0: and that's the song we'll hear at the end of this episode Perfect. Well thank you, B.
1: Thank you, Swadika. Thank That's my Taiwai. Um that was so lovely.
0: Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a discussion with Paul B. Hampshire. Be sure to follow him on social media and visit his website The Be Now. You can also follow me on social media at raw underscore, that's R A W S I N underscore, at Instagram and Twitter, or on TikTok at Dr. Vanessa Sinclair 23. And now the song, My Frozen Heart by Into a Circle.
1: The sand is...